Hi everyone, I'm Margie Alanis and this is Farm Her Talks, thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the farm her in all of us. This episode is sponsored by Nationwide and is part of our ongoing collaboration on their Everybody Eats platform. Everybody Eats, we all do, and all food starts at the farm. Throughout 2020, Everybody Eats has kind of taken on some new meanings as millions of jobs were lost and households were thrown into disarray. Many, many households all around the country. And what that brought along with it was food insecurity. So as you have probably noticed through this platform, we have uh, pivoted into talking about ways that farmers are making sure that food lands on the table as well. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about food insecurity. Food insecurity describes a household's inability to provide enough food for every person to live in an active and healthy way. It is one measure that we can assess the risk of hunger in this country, and currently one in nine people in our country struggle with hunger. And so we might think of food insecurity as people who, um, you know, have to rely regularly on programs that are out there, but honestly, one bad month, one a change in a, a family's like security can plunge that household into food insecurity. That might mean a layoff at work, uh, unexpected car problems, an accident, you name it. Little things can lead to big things and that can cause a family to very quickly uh, be put into a role of food insecurity. And so it is a real problem. Here's a few numbers that I want to talk to you about. or 13.7 million uh, U.S. households were food insecure at some time in 2019, okay? That's over 10% of all households in our country. 35.2 million people live in those food insecure households. And 5.3 million of those people are children who are food insecure along with the adults. And many times in these households, the adults are eating less to make sure that the children have food. And so if the children are food insecure, then the adults are most definitely food insecure. And so when we think about everything that's happened this year in 2020 and with the global pandemic that we have going on, the level of hunger in U.S. households has almost tripled from 2019 through the fall of 2020. So that is a really big problem, as you can imagine. And even more alarming, the amount of American children who sometimes don't have enough to eat is as much as 14 times higher than it was last year. Let me remind you that last year it was 5.3 million children. Okay, so that's really scary numbers, really, really scary numbers. And so our um, focus has really been on talking about this and uncovering stories of what people are doing, because here's what I want to remind you, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, who you are, uh, what walk of life you're in, we all have the ability to either reach out for help or to help somebody in need in our community. And this is happening all over the place. It really is. And farmers are, you know, at the forefront of this in many different ways. And so, you know, as the pandemic happened and food insecurity increased, the amount of people going to food banks like dramatically increased. We have talked about that in past episodes of, of uh, Farm Her Talks. And um, unfortunately, at the same time, uh, food became harder to access, right? Because 
all different parts of the food chain started breaking down. And today we're going to talk about one area of the food chain that started breaking down, and that is in uh, pork and in meat processing. So as some of those processors slowed down, there was nowhere for the pigs to go to be processed that were, um, you know, in like huge amounts at farms right here in, in Iowa, which is my home state. And so as it unfolded, many farmers donated or sold their products, but it wasn't always possible for farmers just to easily donate uh, their products, right? Because um, it's many different parts and pieces, whether it's butchering, whether it's cold storage, whatever that is, like those aren't always always easily accessible to a farmer. So there was all these issues. And this is where the program Pass the Pork came into play. And so today we're going to be talking with Tessa Jarvis, and she has been instrumental in the Pass the Pork program right here in my home state of Iowa. And again, we're talking about this because I think it's interesting. We're going to, we're going to hear about Tessa as a person, why she's involved, what she does, uh, more about the program. But I also want you to be thinking about this in what you can do in your community to help maybe ease some of those issues that exist in the food chain and work to make sure that everybody does eat. So let's take it to Tessa. Tessa, welcome to Farm Her Talks. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Tessa, what is your um, what is your title? What What is your role today as you sit? Currently, I'm a graduate research assistant at Iowa State University. I'm working on my PhD in meat science in the animal science department at Iowa State. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, it's always good to talk to someone from right up the road here in Iowa. But um, let's take it into your background now, because I'm guessing if you landed at Iowa State as a research um, assistant that you maybe aren't from Iowa. Not sure. So do you have a background in agriculture uh, or what led you into this path in life? So actually, I don't have a background in agriculture. I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in a small town in Delaware. I went to my undergrad at University of Delaware, where I received my bachelor's in biology. After that, I decided to do an internship with Purdue Foods. At Purdue, I worked in their research and development department. Um, There, I helped with food service and retail products, chicken products to be exact. And I got to make many line extensions and just product upgrades, basically. And I fell in love with food science. Interesting. Went to Mississippi State University, and I got my master's in food science. So that's what led me into ag. I did my master's research on chicken breast quality and focused on different quality defects in chicken breast that are happening now. And then for my PhD, I wanted to focus more on red meat. And so I landed here in Iowa and am going to get my PhD in meat science. Well, that is quite the windy journey. So uh, biology was was what stepped you into this realm in the beginning. Did you always love science as a kid? Was there somebody in your life that, that inspired you as, when it came to, you know, science, biology, um, and kind of that focus? Yeah. So actually in high school, I had a biology teacher that really encouraged me to follow my dreams and do research in biology. And initially going into undergrad, I wanted to do cancer research. But after doing some 
cellular molecular research in undergrad, um, I realized that wasn't for me. And I wanted to do something where I could see the impact of my research, which made food science and meat science perfect for me because I could research something in ag that I would be able to make a difference and see that difference in the grocery store or at the restaurant. Right. That's so cool. That that makes perfect sense when you explain it that way. And I think like there's something so gratifying about taking something you're passionate about and seeing an end result, right? Like it's it's what keeps us going and excited about what we're doing. So I love that. Um, okay. So uh, talking a little bit about what what is what is your day in and day out at Iowa State look like? Like, what are the things that you get involved in? So at Iowa State, I will ultimately be doing more research, but currently, um, due to COVID, we're functioning a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we are harvesting beef and pork on a weekly basis, and so. Day in and day out, usually I'm in cutting up pork or beef. And then after that, a couple of days later, we'll end up grinding it all. And currently, a lot of what's ground is being donated to food banks. Um, but for the most part, we're, for the most part, every week we'll start by harvesting and then cutting. And then by the end of the week, we're grinding. Okay. So, as a person who spends her time like with a camera on her arm and, you know, like, thinking about like colors on a computer or something like that. This is so very foreign to me. So as part of your research, is is the harvesting part of the research? Or like, I, I don't even know how that works, quite honestly. Okay. So for my research, we'll focus from the harvest floor on and for the processing side. And we want to see differences in processing and find any quality defects that occur with bacon. But a lot of those come from the different fat contents from hogs themselves. Mm-hmm. And so this is controlled a lot by the diet. And so a lot of times dried distiller grains are one of the primary feeds of hogs. And so you'll see some differences in fat content, especially within the belly, which is the fattiest part of the pork carcass. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to understand is where these differences are coming from and if we can alleviate them in any way or if we can um, make changes maybe along the process or maybe in the hog's diet itself. Interesting. Uh, Well, uh, better bacon is something I can get behind. And I'm sure that anybody who's listening can get behind unless they don't eat meat. (laughs) Because even just last week, somebody asked me what my favorite food was. And they said pickles and bacon and popcorn. Easy answer. So uh, better bacon uh, sounds like a fabulous, fabulous thing. So did you have to learn like meat cutting or um, how how to harvest? I mean, where, where did that come into play? So actually, before I came to Iowa State, I hadn't been on the harvest floor much at all. And so coming to Iowa State and with all these projects we have going on, there's tons of opportunity to learn all the different roles on the harvest floor, Mm -hmm. as well as all the different roles in the cutting room. So with all the projects we have going on right now, it gives us a large opportunity for not only the grad students, but the undergrads as well to learn how to cut meat into retail cuts and to do different things on the harvest floor so that we can ultimately get the hogs from walking in the door to leaving as ground pork or leaving as pork chops. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think like 
you know, just all of the different parts and pieces that go into uh, researching and learning and making change in the food system. I, I just like this is something I've never actually thought about. So I love hearing uh, what you're going through to, to learn and to go through the research. OK, so let's um, pause right here and we are going to come back and we're going to be talking about Pass the Pork. So Pass the Pork is a program that is right here in Iowa and it came about um, as the pandemic unfolded. Uh, we all know that farmers did not always have access to the ways um, that they normally would have to get their uh, pigs to be harvested. And so this caused a severe backlog and it was bad on all sides, right? Like I can't paint a, a worse picture than hungry people, food insecure people, people who need help on one end and farmers on the other end who, um, you know, have nowhere for their animals to go and no way for them to get them to those hungry people. So, um, a group of people here in Iowa came together and made it work so that some of that food could get to the plates of the people who need it. And so this is such a cool program. I've really enjoyed uh, hearing about it. I've, I heard about it on the news, you know, it's like bubbling around uh, and, and such a cool thing that the industry and the government and uh, the, the private industry came together here in Iowa and made this happen. So uh, what a neat thing. So we will be back here in just a second talking about Pass the Pork. Uh, so if you want to join our farm herd journey, first off, you can watch our TV show Fridays and Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on RFD TV. Visit farmherd.com to read the stories, see the pictures, check out the videos. We also have all of those farm herd stories over on YouTube. Go check that out, youtube.com slash farmher. So I want to invite you into our world. Come check out those stories today for sure. Okay, Tessa, so let's talk a little bit about Pass the Pork. How did you get involved with this program right here in Iowa? So Pass the Pork actually started right around the time that I was starting. I started in July of 2020. And Pass the Pork was just getting started because the meat lab was just opening back up again. And so being that my advisor is actually over the meat lab and extension at Iowa State, um, all of his graduate students help on the harvest floor and in the processing room and everything at the meat lab. So my role is basically from the time that the hogs get there, I help harvest cut everything with them. Okay. So you just landed in the right place at the right time to be involved in a program that's doing a whole lot of good. So can you talk to me a little bit, um, like did, did farmers bring their pigs directly to you? Uh, they donated them to this program, right? Yes. So the pigs were donated to the program. And then I think by some means, um, we were given donations to help process them. Mm -hmm. And so then we processed the pork and then donating them back as ground pork to food banks. So is there any, like in a normal non-pandemic time, does the meat from the food lab go to like be consumed by the general public or was there, was this a whole different setup for you guys? So I think this is a completely different setup than what they're used to. Usually the meat lab has their own retail front. And so from the retail front, you can get retail cuts like, um, chops, loins, ground pork, ground beef, anything like that. Um, but right now, this is like a huge project for the meat lab that's just being donated. And 
it's completely different than anything they're used to. Usually they do a lot of um, short courses where they bring in industry people and educate them on different meat processing um, styles or anything from beef fabrication to summer sausage making. Mm -hmm. And so this is completely different for them because we're actually processing food like like a regular plant would and donating it to the food banks. Right, right. So have you been involved in, in taking it to the food banks and, and actually distributing it? Or is, does your involvement end on the meat lab floor? So I believe some people from our lab have taken the um, some pork to some food banks, but usually the food banks pick up the pork right at our house right at our warehouse. Nice, nice. And did you have to think about how it's uh, processed differently because it is going to an end consumer that's going to, you know, maybe cook it like a pound at a time? Yep. So we actually put, um, we actually put them all into one pound chubs and they're in 50 pound boxes. And so from there, the food bank gets pallets of, um, pork in 50 pound boxes. And I assume that they distribute them accordingly. But yeah. that's all I know about that. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. That's good. Um, because, I, you know, we've talked to many farms and farmers through this that have had to pivot the way, uh, and it sounds like you guys are no different, to, to pivot the way that they're processing and packaging uh, and distributing uh, their food. So it's just the world that we all live in. It's the ultimate pivot, right? Um, so, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, talk to me about that. I came here in July, like the whole world was turned upside <laughs> down, right? So, um, yeah. Okay, so uh, just to wrap this up, is there anything that you have learned through this process that really sticks with you through since, since July? Maybe it's maybe it's COVID related, maybe it's pandemic related, maybe it's life related, maybe it's pork related. But what is it that you have learned as you've been engaged in this process over the last few months? So as of yesterday, this project has actually fed 30,515 people. Wow. And I think this in itself has showed us that our hard work is paying off in the meat lab where we're working long hours and putting in a lot of work just to feed the people. And I think that um, us learning how to harvest and cut along the way are just like extra incentives for us to do this great deed for the people of Iowa. Yeah, that's great. Well, Tessa, thank you. Thank you so much for your involvement, for throwing yourself into this project, for the time and the attention that you've given to it, because 30,000 people plus is a lot of people uh, who who needed food, who now have it. So that is a true accomplishment. So thank you to you and the team of people there that you have around you. Um, and thank you for being on Farm Her Talks. Thank you.